It is always a privilege to stand in this pulpit with you. About 25 or so years ago, I was in a conference in Birmingham, Alabama, and we sang a song that in that moment stumped me because I had been brought up in church from nine months prior to birth. And in this song, it was singing about something that I did not recognize having heard before. The song was called Yahweh Sidkenu. And I recognized the tune. The tune was My Jesus, I Love Thee. But the words were completely different and evolved around this phrase, Yahweh Sidkinu. The person leading the music did not give any introduction or explanation about the song before we sang it. And so that phrase had me stomped what the song was talking about. Looking into it afterwards, I found out that is one of the Old Testament names of God. And that song has been stuck in my mind now for 25 or so years because the connection that it has to this name of God that we're going to talk about this morning uh, has been deeply meaningful to me. And if it is not already for you, I hope that it will become so. And another song that you are familiar with reminds me of that song because of shared lyrics. It's the song that we sang earlier, The Solid Rock, that says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And that word righteousness is the link between this song and that mystery song that I heard 25 years ago. By the way, has anybody here ever heard the song Yahweh Said Kidna? Okay, I see one hand, I think. I want us to look this morning at the background of where both of these songs are talking about. And that is Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6, Israel has fallen into the hands of the Babylonians. It appears that God's promises to His people are in jeopardy. And Jeremiah is speaking... To the people to give them hope. And in Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6, Jeremiah says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king, and act wisely, and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. 
And this is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. The the key to understanding that mysterious song, Yahweh Sidkidnu, is in the last words of this passage. Because our translation, the Lord, our righteousness, is translated from those two words, Yahweh Sidkidnu. That means the Lord, our righteousness. Yahweh being the proper name for God that he revealed to Moses at the burning bush, I am that I am. And Sidkidnu is the word, the Hebrew word for righteousness. And if you need help remembering this, here's the phonetics on that. Yahweh, Sid, without the T, kin, kin, ooh, Sid, kin, ooh. So I hope that you can remember that after we look at this idea further today. In Psalm 145, verse 7, it says, The Lord is righteous in all His ways and faithful in all He does. And this verse helps us understand the idea of what righteousness is all about. What does it mean to be righteous? We probably in our day most often use the word in its negative sense when we call somebody self-righteous. But God is the ultimate positive use of this word when Scripture says that He is righteous. And here's our definition going forward. Everything that God thinks, says, and does is right. Everything that God thinks, says, and does is right. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? I wish that it described us. In fact, just last Sunday, literally one week ago today, Linda and I celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary. And for 40 years, I've been trying to convince her that that describes me. (laughs) She hasn't bought it yet. I don't know what it's going to take to convince her that that is me to a T. But she's not a believer in me in that way. She is a believer in the Lord in that way. But while this is called a name of God, much like other Old Testament names of God that you're probably more familiar with, like El Shaddai, God Almighty, or uh, uh, Yahweh Rophe, God our healer, or Yahweh Shalom, God our peace, uh, this name is less familiar, Yahweh Sidkenu, 
But even though this is a name of God that's being used in this passage, if you look a second time at what the passage is saying, the use of the title here is not actually talking about God. So let's read this again and look at the description. I'm not going to read the whole two verses, but just what it says here. I will raise up. This is God speaking. I will raise up a branch, a righteous branch. So this passage is talking about something that God is going to do. It's not about God himself. And the thing that it's talking about that God is going to do we're going to discover involves another person. I will raise up a righteous branch. He will reign as king. And he will act wisely and he will do justice and he will do righteousness. And he will be called. He will be called. The Lord, our righteousness. Now, I just got through telling you that Linda won't buy it, that the description of God describes me. So if it's not going to describe me, then there's nobody it's going to describe, right? So who is this talking about when it says he will do this He will do that. I'm going to raise him up. He's going to be described in these ways. Who is the he that the passage is talking about? Is it possible that a person can be described by the same descriptor as God? Righteous. Well, notice that it says, I will raise up, he doesn't say a man. He says, I will raise up a righteous branch. What is that talking about? Well, this goes back to Isaiah 11. And in Isaiah 11, Isaiah says, starting in verse 1, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, From his roots, a branch, there's our word again, a branch will bear fruit. So let me stop right there. Here's the background to what both Isaiah and Jeremiah are alluding to with this image of a branch sprouting from a tree. God had promised David that he would never fail to have one of his descendants set on the throne ruling over Israel. And yet, only 400 years later, in 587 B.C., the Babylonians came, attacked Judah, destroyed the temple in Jerusalem, and took the people away in captivity to Babylon, including 
the king, the descendant of David. And the people said, what has happened? How can this be? God has broken His promise to us. We no longer have a descendant of David as our king. And you'll see this reflected in a number of the Psalms, in the book of Psalms, saying, God, what in the world is going on? You have not left David a descendant on the throne. And the image is of the tree being cut off at the stump. We still use the same imagery today when we talk about our family tree. I have my family tree all the way back to 1399 in England. And I can show you on paper the branches on my family tree. Israel was saying David's family tree has been cut down. God says, no, that's not the end of the story. The tree may have been cut down in this moment, but how many of you have ever cut down or seriously pruned a tree in your yard and what happens the next spring? Sprouts start to reappear, right? God says, that's what I'm going to do with David's line. There's going to be a new branch appear on that chopped off stump. And this branch is going to be better than any part of that previous tree that ever existed. This branch is going to be amazing. This branch is going to be a mighty king. This branch is going to have wisdom. This branch is going to rule in the power of my spirit. This branch is going to be righteous. Unlike the majority of David's descendants who had followed him. So back to Isaiah 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him with righteousness. There's our word again. With righteousness, he will judge the needy. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Isaiah uses as one of his most important descriptor words of this new branch from the stump of Jesse, David's grandfather, I'm sorry, David's father, he uses the word righteousness to describe him. And that's the same image that Jeremiah is using in our passage in 23, 5 and 6. I will raise up a righteous branch. And he will be called the Lord our 
righteousness. So we have a phrase here, Yahweh Sidkenu, that we are told is a proper name of God, but it's also a phrase that describes His promised and chosen one, the Messiah. And the Jews from this day, in Jeremiah's day, the Jews from that day till today, still today, the Jews recognize this as a promise of Messiah. The one who would come and restore the rule of David over his people. What the Jews missed is what happened in between Jeremiah's day and now, and that is the coming of Christ. And as Christians, we recognize that this promised one who was to come, who would bring true righteousness and true restoration to our broken relationship with God, that has been fulfilled in Christ. And He is now reigning on David's throne from heaven. So God's name is righteousness, and His righteousness also describes the Messiah, who is Jesus. But this word, the Bible says, does not describe you and me. It describes God, it describes Jesus, it does not describe you and me. Isaiah 64, 6 says, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. And in the New Testament, Romans 3.10 says, There is no one righteous, not even one. So think about those two verses. All our righteous, righteous deeds are like filthy rags. And there is none righteous, not even one. So Scripture says that God is righteous. Scripture says that Jesus is righteous. But we cannot call ourselves righteous. In fact, God says we're the exact opposite. And because of that, because of our sin, because of our self-centeredness, because of our selfishness, our relationship with God that we were created for in the beginning has been broken. But God had a plan. God had a plan to restore what we have broken because of our sin. 1 Peter 3.18 says, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. 
You had no righteousness of your own. I had no righteousness of my own. But Christ came that we might receive His righteousness instead. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in Him, that's Christ, so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. So Christ is righteous. He's the only one who has ever lived a perfect, sinless life. And when we come to Him by faith, trusting in who He is as the Son of God and in what He has done for us, paying the price for our sin on the cross, when we put our faith in Him and in what He has done, we receive His righteousness. It's not our own. We cannot boast about it. We cannot claim to have anything to do with it. It's a gift from God, a gift of grace that He gives us the righteousness of Christ. And the New Testament uses this transaction with the imagery of the Old Testament sacrificial system. And just like in the Old Testament, they offered sacrifices of sheep and goats and cattle as gifts to God, as offerings for their sin, seeking forgiveness. The book of Hebrews says that no animal sacrifice can forgive sin. So why did they do that all the time? Day after day, year after year, offering animal sacrifice. It wasn't because the death of the animal was going to forgive their sin. It was because the death of the animal was a picture, reminder of God's promised one who would be able to forgive their sin. Every sacrifice ever offered in the Old Testament was a picture reminder pointing forward in time to the cross. And the people's faith was not to be in the sacrifice being offered in front of them. It was to be a reminder to put their faith in the one who would come and would die on their behalf on the cross, and that is Jesus. And so 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, You were ransomed, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus, as of a spotless, unblemished lamb. And John the Baptist, when Jesus approached him at the river, in John 1.29, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
And 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And so when we go back to that lyric in the song, The Solid Rock, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. There our author is combining these two pictures from Scripture It's the blood of Christ. It's the sacrifice of Christ. It's Him laying His life down for us that through faith gives us His righteousness. My hope, everything that matters in life and death, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. For 10 years, our association of churches has been sending mission teams to Taiwan. If you're not familiar with Taiwan, Taiwan is a, an island off the coast of China. It's a Chinese culture. The people are Chinese. They speak Mandarin. Their culture is Chinese. And from going there, I learned something that's very interesting in regard to Christianity. And I don't have time to explain the whole thing or go into all the examples, but this has stumped Bible scholars and secular language scholars. In Chinese, if you'll go to the next slide, in Chinese, their written language is built on characters like this you've no doubt seen in various contexts over the course of time. But they only have a small number of what we would call base words. The majority of their vocabulary is made up of the combination of putting different words together to create a new word. What has stumped both Bible scholars and secular scholars is there is, are quite a few Chinese words that are very ancient, up to 2,000 years before Christ. They can be documented because they found ancient artifacts. And these words cannot be explained apart from the Bible. So if thousands of years before Christ, the Chinese had words that are very clearly based on the Bible, what's up with that? Where did that come from? I'll give you one example. The Chinese word for ark is a combination of three words. Eight, people, boat. Eight people on a boat. How many people were on the ark? 
8. Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their three wives. How do you come up with that combination out of the blue, at random, to create the word ark? That's, whoo, kind of gives you the willies, doesn't it? Okay, here's another example for our point today. This set of characters right here is a combination of two words. The character on the top is the word lamb. The the character on the bottom is the word me. Lamb over me. Now, based on everything I've been talking about today, can you guess what word is created by the words lamb over me? Righteousness. Righteousness in Chinese is the placement of the lamb over me. Once again, Isn't that cool? And this is ancient. This is ancient. It is not a modern contrivance. So this image and the words behind it is a reminder to us, even as English speakers, That I have no righteousness of my own. It is only as I stand under the Lamb. And through His sacrifice for me. Only then do I have righteousness. It is His righteousness. Let's illustrate this another way. In the next slide, go ahead to the next one. The image on the top left is the image for God. The other image I have separated, and that is lamb. So the two images on the top are for God and for the lamb, or for God and for Christ. The image in the circle, remember, is what? Me. In my natural state, in sin, I am cut off from God and from Christ. Isaiah 59.2 says, Your iniquities have separated you from your God. Sin creates a barrier between us and a perfect, holy, righteous God. Something has to be done to remove that barrier of sin that separates us. But through our faith in Christ, next slide. Through our faith in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, In Christ we might become 
the righteousness of God. So through faith in Christ, in who He is and what He has done for us, we now stand under the blood of the Lamb. The Lamb is over me. And in that faith relationship with Christ, we are now restored to the relationship with God that we were created for in the first place. The wife of Billy Graham, Ruth Bell Graham, was born to Chinese missionaries. And she spent the her growing up years in China. Her parents spent 25 years there as missionaries. It was only after World War II when the communists overtook the country that her parents were forced to leave. And so the Chinese people and the Chinese culture were close to her heart. And she knew about this symbolism behind this Chinese character that we've been talking about. Would you go to the next slide, please? In Charlotte, North Carolina, at the Billy Graham Library, Billy Graham and Ruth are buried there. And this is a picture of her tombstone. You can see, I hope you can see it in this picture, at the top of the tombstone above her name is the image of that character, her righteousness because she understood what it meant to have the lamb over me. She understood that she had no righteousness of her own. She understood the necessity of being in right relationship with her heavenly father through a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Romans 3.22 says, This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Charles Spurgeon that great British pastor said this, When we believe in Christ, by faith we receive our justification. As the merit of His blood takes away our sin, so the merit of His obedience is imputed to us for righteousness. Imputed could be translated charged or credited to us for righteousness. We are considered as soon as we believe as though the works of Christ were our works. God looks upon us as though that perfect obedience had been performed by ourselves. Spurgeon is saying, when God looks at us under the Lamb, 
He doesn't see our filthy rags. He sees the righteousness of Christ. Isaiah 61.10 says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for He has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of His righteousness. What are you wearing today? With what are you clothed? Are you clothed in self-righteous, filthy rags? Or are you clothed with the righteousness of Christ? What does God see? When he looks at you. So we go back to the solid rock one last time. The last verse that we sang a while ago said, When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand. Before the throne. Without his righteousness. We have. No ground. On which to stand. Let's pray. Father, forgive us when we think that we have any good within ourselves. And we thank you that you have made the way through Christ and through his righteousness that we might be found worthy to stand before you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, I pray that for each person here today, that the description, Lamb over me, would describe us each one. And if there is any here who does not stand under the Lamb today, I pray that today would be the day, the day of faith, the day of response, the day of humility and confession to admit, I am not worthy but Christ is. Lord, speak to our hearts. Draw each of us to you in this moment. And may we live rejoicing through the knowledge of the gift of your righteousness.
And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.